Jan 3.16. Neboť Bůh miloval svět, že dal svého jediného syna, aby žádný, kdo v něho věří, Car Dieu a tant aimé le monde qu'il a donné son Fils unique afin que. Awa u alofa maile atua ile lalolangi u auina maiaia ia. Para que todo el que cree en él no se pierda, sino que tenga vida eterna. Hey, uh, listen, we fundamentally believe in John 3.16, the message of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's the thing that binds us together as a church family. And when I hear it read in so many different languages, it reminds me of this truth, that God's love is not just for me, not just for people like me, it's for everybody. God loves you regardless of your background, regardless of your baggage, regardless of your bank account, regardless of what you've done or what's been done to you. Jesus loves you. Do you know that today? Now, for those of you that are new to Desert Springs, maybe this is your first Easter here at Desert Springs, I just want to say I'm honored that you would join us today. I am looking forward, I've been looking forward to this day for the last few months. I'm glad you're here. And I know that uh, for those of us that maybe this is our first Easter service ever, that there's a ton of like tradition and stuff that goes on uh, that maybe we don't understand. There's really weird traditions surrounding Easter. Like, have you heard about this bunny? that lays eggs. It's a miracle. And some of the traditions are silly, right? But some of them are really profound. And in fact, we're going we're gonna to engage in a tradition here in just a moment that goes all the way back to the first Easter. Uh, you see, the story goes like this, that Jesus Christ was crucified for you and for me. He took on that death. And then they buried him because he was really dead. And then three days later, some women went to his tomb because they wanted to pay their respects. And as they're rolling up to the tomb, they notice that something's different. They don't find a corpse. Rather, they find an empty tomb. And there's an angel, and the angel appears to them and says, y'all looking for Jesus? He was a Texan angel. Y'all looking for Jesus? Because he ain't here. He is risen. And this is where the tradition comes in. You see, Christians all around the world, regardless of culture, many Christians all around the world, 
will engage in this tradition saying those words of the angel on that first Easter to each other. And it will kind of go like this. Somebody will say, he's risen, and then other people respond with, he is risen indeed. Some of you guys have heard this song before. So we're going to do that. I'm going to say he's risen. Y'all are going to say he's risen indeed. You ready? Here we go. He is risen. risen Okay, that was good, but we can do better. He is risen. risen Okay. Mm. First hour was crushing it today, okay? So I need, I don't want you to be embarrassed when you run into people who are here at the eight o'clock service. So we're, we're here, let's go here. He is risen. He is risen yeah, so what? So what? So what does something that happened 2,000 years ago matter? Why, why does that matter to me today? How on earth does the resurrection of Jesus impact my life today? I'm glad you asked. Because we are starting today a four-week series called One, in which we're looking at Jesus and how the resurrected Jesus answers some of the deepest questions and longings of our heart. And today we're going to look at this truth, that Jesus is the one who rescues us from darkness. Do you know that there's darkness in the world? Oh, you guys haven't been watching the news. Do you know that there's darkness in the world? Yeah, literally, you can pull out your phone right now, go on social media, and then answer me. Do you know that there's darkness in the world? Many of us, as we perceive what's going on in our nation, as we see what's going on around the world, as we see what's going on in our community, see that darkness. We see it in broken and corrupt systems like racism, ageism, sexism. We, many of us have fallen victim to those corrupt systems. We see that there is dark forces at work in these systems, but we not only see it out there, we see it when it comes home to roost. How many of you know that darkness is not just something that's out there that I read about, but it's something that I can experience too? For some of us, as you think about your workplace, as you think about your community, as you think about your home, as you think about your own life, do you know that there's darkness? I want you to do something for me. I want you to think about last Easter. Remember back to last Easter. In the time between then and today, recount your life. Have you tasted the darkness? For some of us, it has been things that have been done to us. For others, it's been things done by us. Think about your relationships your friendships, your relationship with children, for those of you that are parents, your relationship with your parents. Think about your relationship with your lover. Have you experienced darkness up close? For many of us, I know that many of us in our church family, since last Easter, there have been dozens who have been diagnosed with debilitating disease. Many of you as recently as the last few weeks. And the doctors are saying it's terminal. And we sense the darkness, don't we? Even in our bodies. But more than that, some of us have sensed this darkness in perhaps one of the most profound, definitely universal ways, and that's this. On this Easter, for many of us, there will be empty seats at the dinner table because we've lost someone dear to us. Death has taken them. And this idea of darkness, it's not just an idea that we experience as a community. No, the ancients 
also understood that darkness is real. In fact, one ancient culture uh, had this understanding of darkness, that darkness out there and darkness in here, it's not just poor choices. It's not just uh, unfortunate consequences. It's not just uneconomical decisions. They believed, and I, I think this is very wise, they believed that there is a domain of darkness, that there is an unseen force of darkness, a domain, a kingdom of darkness. And that domain is constantly at work, not only in the corrupt systems that we perceive, but also in our homes and in our hearts. And they would argue that when you see that darkness become manifest, there's a full domain that's operating underneath those manifestations of darkness. And the, the champion of the domain of darkness, the, the most vivid way that one could see the domain of darkness at work is the grave. For there is one universal image of the power of darkness that every culture, every family, and every person will experience, and that is death, the grave. And for many of you, as you think between now and last Easter, you don't need me to help you illustrate this point. But the darkness is not just something that's out there. No, the ancients understood, and, and God tells us that the darkness out there can also take hold in here. And it takes on a variety of different forms, but that corruption, that darkness, not only can invade and infect systems and families, it can invade and infect our own soul, and it can surround us. Have you guys ever been camping? Seriously? Guys? You get out much, do we? Camping. Have you seen it in the television news? There's a Netflix episode about camping, I'm sure. Have you guys know what camping is? Come on, talk to me here. I'm working over here. Right? You guys seen camping? And if you ever go camping by yourself, which is, which is just a, a, a total trip, if you go camping and, and the darkness begins to set in, right? Like the sun is setting, it's beginning to grow dark, what's the first thing you start to do? You go, you find some rocks, you put them in a circle, you get some wood, you put the wood in the center, and then what do you do? You start a... Why? Even if it's hot outside, even if it's 100 degrees outside, we still are compelled to start a fire. Because light signifies life, and we are drawn to the life of light. But as darkness creep in, creeps in, imagine it's a moonless night. You're out in the middle of nowhere, and you're there by the fire. And then, for one reason or the other, you stand up, you turn, and you start walking into the woods. Now, what do you begin to feel? Come on. Fear? Talk to me. Scared? Cold, what do you see? You don't see nothing because it's so. And there are many of us who, like the camper who leaves the fire, who, who is surrounded by darkness, there are many of us who have felt what it is to be surrounded by darkness. This takes on many different forms, but there's two key forms that this darkness can impact us. And I, I want to illustrate it using a couple of stories of a couple of people. Now, I've never met these people personally, although I hope to one day. One is a young woman. And uh, according to her culture, many people in her community believed that she was so messed up, so broken, that they, they actually said she was beset by demons. And it was done as, it, their understanding was that the oppressive forces of darkness had such a hold on her life 
that it was one of the defining characteristics of her life. How many of you know that when things happen to us, the darkness happens to us, it can oftentimes consume us? And like many of us, she likely said things like this, I'm such a mess, I'm so broken, I'm so far from God, I'm so surrounded by darkness, there's no way that God could love me. Some of you feel that even today. Some of us were super nervous walking in here today because we feel like God would never love us. Now, there are some of us who maybe would say, no, I'm not beset by demons, but our demons might just look different. It might be the chains of addiction. It might be the pain and tumult of abuse. Regardless of what it is, there are many of us who experience the darkness, are surrounded by the darkness, and we feel consumed by it. But then there's others of us that experience the darkness in a different way. In fact, it's in such a different way that oftentimes we don't even see it. It's darkness disguised as light. You see it in the life of this one guy. He, if the young woman was an outsider, he was by definition an insider. He's one of these power brokers. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like one of those kinds of guys who makes things happen. He was a pillar in his community. He was an upstanding citizen. He was morally upright. He was one of those guys that were like so religiously devout that he was a jerk about it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? like grace in your face kind of jerk. You guys know what I'm saying? Have you guys ever met one of those like super religious, moral, upright folks who like to rub it in everybody's face? You, you guys haven't met any of those? Stay around here long enough, you're bound to meet some. Some of us are thinking like, I've never met a person like that. There may be people around you thinking about you right now. You might be the guy. Conviction. So this guy, right, he, he was so morally upright. He, he's one of these kinds of folks who say, I'm so good. I'm such a good person. I, of course I'm a good person. I'm certainly not like those people over there, right? Country music fans, like I'm not like them. I'm a morally upright guy. And different from the woman, this man would say things like this. Of course God would love me. Of course God would love me. Who wouldn't? I do all the right things. I say all the right words. I'm religiously devout. I'm morally upright. Of course God would love me. You know the interesting thing about this guy's story, though? Is he was so, he allowed his moral goodness, his self-perception of his own moral goodness, to so blind him to the truth of God that he actually convinced himself that it was okay and justified to have people killed who were different than him who he thought was a threat to his way of life. In fact, the little I know about this man's life is he actually stood by approvingly as people were killed, people that he thought were a threat to his way of life and to his power. You see, darkness takes many different forms. Who do you most associate with? Is it the young woman or is it the man? Is it the one who feels so broken so despairing, so surrounded by darkness that you feel like God cannot love you? Or are you rolling in today thinking, of course God loves me, and yet there's unrepentant, unchecked sin in your life that you can't even see because you've been convincing yourself that you have earned God's love? Where are you at?
Hey, listen, don't let this Easter go by without examining your own heart. Everything that we do stems from our heart. Don't let this moment go by without examining your own heart. Are there corridors of your heart that are surrounded by darkness? Or maybe, maybe y'all ain't like me and you got it figured out and squared away. But I know that as I examine my heart, there's darkness. Now let me ask you this question. Don't answer it out loud, answer it to yourself. How does that make you feel? Do you feel angry about it? Do you feel helpless? Do you feel apathetic? Do you feel alone? Do you feel like you have no power to change? I'm here to tell you that you don't, actually. Is he gonna make me feel better? Yeah. You, you don't have the power to change. And by the way, if you did, you would. And so this is where we get to it. Why on earth have we been singing this whole morning? Why have we been celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Here's why. Because apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are dead, left in our darkness. The grave has won. And all that's left for you and me is to be pulled into the domain of darkness. So why not just give it up right now? But that is not the nature of the gospel. This is what it says in Colossians 1. I'm gonna read it to you. Colossians is a letter written to a group of people that were living in the Roman Empire. It says this, that God has enabled you. Now, though it was written to them, it's in our scripture, which gives us the idea that it might actually be written to who? Yeah, you, you is the you. Us is the you. Who is the you? God has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. I'm gonna do that one more time because y'all ain't amening. God has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. Good, thank you. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Do you know that? No, 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 no. Do you know that? Do you know that you and I have not been abandoned? You and I are not chained to a hopeless dark. It goes on. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In Jesus Christ, in his resurrection, he shows us that you and I are not left to ourselves. In the midst of the darkness, there is a hope, there is light, and his name is Jesus. He rose from the grave, conquering over Satan's sin and death. He dealt a death blow to the epicenter of the domain of darkness, namely the grave. In his conquering over the grave, he is showcasing to you, one, his love for you, and two, his power to bring you to a place of redemption, restoration, and healing. Do you know that today? Come on now. Hey, listen, is this just tradition or what? Are we just here because grandma dragged us here or what? Friends, I'm talking to you Christians, all right? Are you just here because this makes us feel good because we like the bunny and the eggs or is Jesus Christ actually risen from the grave? But do you know it? Because he not only rescues us, he transforms us. 
He transfers us out of the domain of darkness in the domain of light, and he transforms us. Jesus is in the business of transforming lives, and he wants to transform your life today. Friends, have you said yes to Jesus? For those of us that follow after Jesus, know this. He never calls us into the light without telling us to bring the light to others. Do you know that he has called you to be a light bearer in the midst of a dark and broken world? Remember those two people I was talking about? I, it was five minutes ago. Y'all remember I was talking about them two people? Okay. Now, did I give you their names? No, I don't think I did. No, it, it, let me give you their names. This story is fascinating. I, I said I'd never met them, uh, but I, I hope to one day. The first, the young lady who was beset by demons, who was consumed by darkness. Her name, well, actually, her name might be familiar to some of you. She was the woman to whom the angel said, he is risen. That first Easter morning, as Mary Magdalene approached the tomb, the angel said, he is risen. It's where we get that risen indeed stuff from. But then he told Mary, you go and you tell people. You see, the light was not only shown to Mary, not only was Mary redeemed and restored, but she was compelled to go and bring light into the world. And friends, even in the midst of darkness, know this, that Jesus is calling you to himself. He wants to bring you healing, life, and life abundant, that you might be compelled out into the world of darkness and bring light into dark places. And that second person, well, his story is actually fascinating to me. I, I'm more associated with his story. You see, he actually was, uh, Jesus got a hold of his bitter heart his smug, self-satisfied heart. And he called him, transferred him out of the domain of darkness into the domain in the kingdom of light. And then he called him to be a pastor. But he called him to be a pastor to a bunch of people who were nothing like him. He called him to be a pastor to the very people that he wanted killed because Jesus is in the business of transformation. This dude's name was Paul, and he wrote the letter that we call Colossians, that I read from a moment ago. And listen to me now. There is nothing different about those two people than you. They're not magical. They don't have superpowers. Just as Jesus worked in their life, so too he wants to work in your life. Do you know that he is calling you, for those of you that follow after Jesus, to be lights in the midst of darkness? May it compel us as a church family to bring light into darkness and to fight against the domain of darkness. Friends, we not only want to talk about this, this is something we want to put into practice. So here's a few next steps for you and then we'll continue to worship and sing. Number one, if you are still trying to figure out who Jesus is to you, we want to help you in that process. I know exactly what that's like. I came to know the Lord through a process and through a relationship through this church family. We don't have a sales pitch for you. We don't have some sort of program. We've just got people and they're all weird. So if you think you're gonna get to meet some non-weird ones, I just, I've, I'm trying, all right? As a pastor here, we're trying. But we got a bunch of just normal people who have been following after Jesus. They would love the opportunity. Many of our volunteer coaches would love the opportunity to connect with you, answer any questions that you might have. They probably can't answer most of them. They probably got some more questions for you to consider. They'd love to sit down with you for a coffee, for a meal, for a beer, whatever it is. They would love the chance to connect with you. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you wanna connect with someone from Desert Springs, just to have a conversation about who Jesus is, in the back of the seat in front of you or under your seats, there's a connect card. You can take that connect card, fill it out, drop it in the metal boxes or swing by direct and connect. 
let us know. We want to connect with you. We'd love to help you take that next step. Second, if today you have made the decision to follow after Jesus, you've said yes to God, there's a separate card there that says, uh, that, that asks, have you said yes to God today? If you have, that is amazing. It gives me great joy. And I love seeing Jesus transform lives. But I also know it's not something to do alone. As a church family, Jesus has called us to help you take that step. Whether it's getting baptized, getting connected in one of our groups, connecting with one of our leaders, we want to help you take that step. You can fill out that card. Again, you can drop it in the boxes or swing it by Direct and Connect after the service. And then there's three things that we mentioned in the service that I just want to give you a next step on. And all of this can be done through the connection card that's in the back of the seat or under the seat near you. Number one, there are many of us who know what it's like to be chained by addiction. There's a ministry called Celebrate Recovery that meets here every Tuesday night. There's some of the most welcoming people I know. And they would love the opportunity to share with you the ministry that God has through Celebrate Recovery and the healing that can come from, Celebrate, from God through Celebrate Recovery. It's a Jesus-centered, step-based program. We handle it as confidentially as we can. If you want more information, you can use that Connect card, drop it in the boxes, or direct and connect. Second, there are many of us who are still experiencing the pain of an abuse that's happened to us. And friends, if that's you, know this. Jesus does not want you to stay in that state. He wants to bring you healing and peace. And oftentimes he does that, he does that through ministries like Mending the Soul. Mending the Soul is a ministry here at Desert Springs. There's, they're all in small groups of people. We handle it with the greatest sensitivity and confidentiality. There's groups for men and groups for women. If you're interested in learning more about Mending the Soul, you can use that Connect card. Drop it in the boxes or at Direct and Connect. And finally, for some of us, especially those of us that are married, the domain of darkness can take hold in our marriage. It can take a, a root of bitterness or anger. And for those of us that, have been, that, that are married, whether we've been married for a short time or a long time, whether we just need a little tune-up in our marriage or there's some deep and abiding pain, I want to encourage you to join us for a six-week workshop called Renew the Vow. This is a great opportunity regardless of the state of your marriage. I wanna strongly encourage you to participate in Renew the Vow. We've got it coming up here in a few weeks. You can use that connection card to let us know that you are interested in that. And now here's what I'm gonna do. I want everybody to take a big deep breath. Jesus loves you so much and he is worthy of all honor, all glory and praise. Let us remember that as we consider his goodness.